0: and tell them the Lord is good and then you can be seated hallelujah I'll invite you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11 we've been teaching a series on faith for several weeks And we want to continue to do so this morning. Mark chapter 11 tells us the story of when Jesus, uh, at the beginning of the last week of his time here on earth, in making a journey, I think it's just a three or four mile walk between Jerusalem and Bethany. He passed by a a fig tree that looked uh, good, it had leaves and green leaves and looked like it should have figs on it, but Jesus found that it was unfruitful. That there was nothing on it except leaves. So he curses the tree. He speaks to the tree and says, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Then the next morning they came back by on their way back to Jerusalem from Bethany. And they observed that the fig tree that Jesus had cursed the day before was dried up from the roots. Peter pointed it out to him. And even though he didn't ask a question, he just said, Master, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Jesus responded in verse 22 saying, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. We see that Jesus first identifies that anybody man, woman, boy, girl, that anybody can do what he did in relation to the fig tree and the results of him cursing the fig tree. If Jesus did these things, and not just this example, but if he did the healings and the miracles and all the other things that we see throughout the Gospels that took place, if he did this just because he was the Son of God, then there would have been no way for him to delegate the power and authority to do these things to the disciples. The Bible says specifically that Jesus commissioned the disciples to go out and heal the sick. Well, if Jesus healed the sick when he was here on the earth because he was the Son of God, how could he give that power to somebody that wasn't the Son of God? It would have been impossible. Therefore, we have to conclude that when Jesus tells us that the source of this spectacular result, miraculous result concerning the fig tree When he credits it to faith, the operation of faith, and then defines how that faith works, we have to conclude that he's telling the church, telling believers, telling you and me that we can do the same things he did with the same faith he did it by and get the same results that he got. Folks, that has to be true. I know that upends the theology of a lot of the church. It's easy to say that Jesus did everything because he was the son of God. We therefore can't do anything because we're not in the same class as he is. And so just put everything over on God and come up with the doctrine that much of the church world has come up with. Whatever the will of God is is what will happen. The problem with that is if the church is believing the wrong thing, whereas some people receive their healing, other people don't, some people... uh, benefit from miracles in their lives and other people don't then that leaves us with a schizophrenic God it leaves us with a God whose will changes from person to person and situation to situation the problem with that is the Bible says God never changes the Bible says there's no variableness either shadow of turning with God so if God is schizophrenic giving different results for different people in different situations, then we have to throw the Bible away because it's a lie. It can't be true that God never changes if different people get different results because it's the will of God for it to be that way. Now granted, people get different results in in situations that they face in life. But if we understand the truth of the word, accept the truth of the word, that God has given man authority, which sounds a whole lot like what Jesus is saying here in Mark chapter 11. If man is the one with authority and if faith is the means of the vehicle, the method whereby we receive the things of God and in our case take advantage of what Jesus paid for through his death, burial, and resurrection, then the responsibility is on us, not on God. Now it's it's interesting to me that Jesus. I'm mean, I'm sorry that Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, wrote to the church in Corinth. In the tenth chapter of the church uh, of the book of First Corinthians, Paul talks about how that the things that happened to Israel were examples to us, and that we are to learn from seeing. And recognizing the things that they did, the things that uh, the children of Israel did in the Old Testament. What's interesting about that to me is that it presupposes. And since Paul's the one that started the church there in Corinthians, in the city of Corinth. Then he would certainly be in a position to know. He writes to the church telling things about the events of the Old Testament as being examples to us so he knows they know about the history of Israel now how would a Gentile church know about the history of Israel unless Paul had taught them things from the Old Testament when Paul I believe Paul is the author of the book of Hebrews when he writes to the Hebrews he talks to them about the history of the Jews but that makes sense because he's writing to people that are Jews But when he writes to the Gentile church, and the church at Corinth was primarily a Gentile church. When he writes to the Gentile church at Corinth and starts talking about things in the old covenant, that must be a part of what he taught them. He must have shared with them as a part of God's overall plan and purpose. The covenant that God made with Israel through Abraham He taught them about the things where Israel failed God and why. He writes again to the Hebrews. This is Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2. He said the word didn't profit them. Talking about Israel of the old covenant. He said the word didn't profit them not being mixed with faith. Now folks think about what that's saying. The word is the will of God. God can't speak anything against his will. Everything God says makes up the will of God. So if we substitute the will of God for the word, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2, where it says, where he wrote to them and said, the word didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith. We could just as easily translate that, just as accurately translate that, as saying the will of God didn't profit them not being mixed with faith. Well, the only way the will of God wouldn't profit somebody if they didn't mix it with faith is that if they did not take advantage of the will of God by mixing faith with it. Now, I want you to turn back with me to the Old Testament because there's some things that the Lord is bringing my attention to Concerning the, the examples that the Jews are supposed to be to us. Turn with me to chapter 13 of the book of Exodus. Now while you're turning there let me give you the backstory On some of the things that we'll be reading. Israel's been in bondage to, to uh, Egypt. Under Pharaoh's rule and under Pharaoh's command. For 430 years. Israel got to to Egypt through Moses and the great famine that was taking place. You remember the story about how his brothers didn't know who he was, but he finally revealed himself. Joseph finally revealed himself to his other 11 brothers and then winds up bringing his family, his father and all of the rest of his brothers and their families to Egypt to be saved from the famine. Well, the famine ends... And over a period of time, over the generations, Pharaoh becomes their master and treats Israel as slaves. And so God appears to Moses, speaks to him out of the burning bush and tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and demand that he let the people go. Well, you remember the story how that Pharaoh refused to go. He said, I don't know who your God is. Moses goes into in pre- Pharaoh's presence And says, the God of Israel commands you to let the people go. Well, Pharaoh's not concerned about that. He doesn't know who God is. The God of Israel is nobody to him. So from the very first moment that Moses goes to Pharaoh to demand the release of the children of Israel on behalf of God. From that moment, plagues begin to take place. Which the Bible says God said himself. That he was executing judgment on the gods of Pharaoh, the gods of Egypt. You remember that the Nile turned into blood. And since the the whole of the nation of Israel, of Egypt, excuse me, depended on the Nile River for blood, that means blood, uh, every bit of water throughout Egypt became blood. Then you may remember the, the plague, I think it was the second plague, was the plague of frogs, where frogs came out of the Nile River. And got into everything and everybody's possessions. So Israel begins to see, along with Pharaoh, begins to see the power of God exercised toward their deliverance. Now every one of these ten plagues, there was uh, uh, hail mixed with fire. There was lice. There were locusts. There were all kinds of different plagues that came against uh, Egypt to convince Pharaoh to let the people go every one of those plagues had something to do with one of uh, Egypt's gods when the sun was blacked out that was judgment against the sun god of Egypt they believed that there was a god in the Nile River and so when it turned to blood it it was judgment executed on one of Egypt's idol worshipping gods so Plague after plague after plague takes place. And Israel sees them. After the first three plagues, I think it was, God made a, a separation between the land of Goshen, which was in Egypt, where the Jews lived, and the rest of the, the country. And so Israel saw, after the first couple of plagues, Israel saw all the plagues come on Egypt, but they were free from them. They didn't affect them. When darkness was on the rest of the the nation of Egypt, Israel had light in the land of Goshen. Which would be an indication to me, it seems like if we were living at that time, it'd be real easy to see that God was on our side in these plagues and not against us. Well, you remember the story goes after the death of the firstborn, after the Passover, spares the children of Israel, the firstborn of of Israel, but the firstborn of all of Egypt dies, including Pharaoh's son. After that takes place, Israel leaves Egypt. The Bible says that God brought them forth with silver and gold. They spoiled the land of Egypt before they left. And there was not one feeble or unhealthy person among them. Now, folks, that's got to be miraculous. Miraculous. Because the estimates of the children of Israel that left Egypt are anywhere from 2 to 7 million people. Well, even if it's just 2 million people, get me a crowd of 2 million people that don't, that don't have sickness and disease in some way or another. It was not only supernatural, but it was spectacular, deliverance. Well, you remember the story as well. Pharaoh relents... He gets upset because he turned loose the people that he now holds responsible for the firstborn, death of the firstborn of all of Egypt. And it says that as Israel left, I'm going to pick up in Exodus chapter 13, verse verse 21. This is before Pharaoh comes out against them. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them in the way. And by night in the pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Please notice that last verse. He did not take away the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire. Now the children of Israel who have just witnessed over several months, there are different uh, assumptions or different calculations made on how long it took the. uh, the plagues of Egypt to take place The estimates are anywhere from three to six months It wasn't a long period of time And the reason that we don't know for sure is because the Bible tells us how long certain plagues last Lasted and it doesn't tell us about some of the others So there's some guesswork some estimation that's being that has to be made To come up with how long it took the plagues to run their course So if we take just the longest estimate of six months then there are six months of day after day after day after day seeing some way or another that God is executing judgment on the gods of Egypt proving him to be the great God first and foremost coming behind no other God in any way whatsoever And so then when Israel leaves Egypt, this most high God, this most powerful God is visible to them in a pillar of cloud by day or a pillar of fire by night. He leads the way. He's showing them where to go. Now, folks, put yourself, I know this sounds like a fairy tale. It sounds like an unreal story, but this stuff really happened. This is not the Easter Bunny type stuff. (laughs) This is what really happened. They have a visible presence of God before their faces 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And God does not remove that pillar of fire or that pillar of cloud. It stays in place. Well, actually, at this point, it's moving along with them, showing them where to go. At other times, it will stay in one place later on in the story of Israel. So Pharaoh decides that he's going to kill the Jews. So he comes out after them. Look with in Exodus chapter 14. Pharaoh comes after Israel. The people are afraid. And it says in verse 19, the angel of God, which came before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. It's been in front leading the way. But when Israel is threatened by the most powerful army on the face of the earth at that time, there was no other world power or what we might call superpower that was greater than the Egyptians. There was no country, no people that had a stronger army a stronger standing army than what Egypt had. So when Pharaoh goes out against the the children of Israel, he goes out in full force. And they get to the edge of the Red Sea. They're hemmed in by mountains on either side. They can't go backwards because of uh, Pharaoh coming after them. And so this pillar of fire moves to protect Israel. Now folks, this really happened now the people of Israel that have seen this pillar of fire the people of Israel that have seen the the judgment on the gods of Egypt which we might not recognize because we are not so familiar with idol worship of the day but they certainly knew of the gods of Egypt they certainly knew that these plagues were showing that God the God of Israel was greater than any of the gods or all of the gods of Egypt so now this visible presence of God Goes behind them to separate or to stop Pharaoh's ability from attacking the children of Israel from the rear. What would you have thought? I'm sure it was a scary few moments when Pharaoh's army starts bearing down on the children of Israel from behind. Not to worry. The pillar of fire separates and protects Israel from Egypt. And the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these. So that the one came not near the other all night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. And the waters which were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them. Apparently the pillar of fire removed at the right time. So that Pharaoh could continue his attack. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud. That tells us right there what the pillar of fire and the cloud was. It was a manifestation of God himself. Now for the night time, the pillar was two-toned It was fire on Israel's side to provide light for them and it was darkness on Egypt's side. God will be whatever he has to be depending on who he's he's protecting, who he's providing for. So he looked through the pillar of fire and of cloud. The Lord looked through the pillar of fire and cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily. I think drave them heavily means they wouldn't move. So that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. Folks, this is one of the biggest stupid moments in all of the scripture. The army of Egypt, which has witnessed the power of God against all the gods of Egypt, finally says, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. Now what was it that caused them to come to that profound knowledge? Was it the plagues? No. Was it the death of the firstborn? No. Was it the pillar of fire that separated Egypt from Israel? No. That would have been a great time for somebody to say, to Pharaoh, maybe this isn't the best idea. Because the God of Israel that did all the plagues, that created all the problems and and difficulties for us to begin with, look how he's keeping us from getting a hold of of the Israelites. But they finally came to that revelation. And what did it was when God took the wheels off their chariots, This doesn't seem to me to be too bright a crowd. The Nile River turning into blood, that didn't do it. Frogs coming out of the Nile River and inhabiting all the land of Egypt, that didn't do it either. None of the plagues convinced them. But in the midst of the Red Sea, without any means of escape, Now they figure out God's on their side, on Israel's side. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And that's what happened, and they all drowned and were defeated. Now chapter 15 of Exodus tells about their song of victory. And then it tells us a little bit about when they began to move forward toward the promised land. They came to a place where the waters were bitter. The word bitter is kind of difficult to understand what it means. But there seems to be something more than just poor taste to the water. It seems that bitter carries with it the the idea of poison or something that kept them from being able to drink the water under any circumstance. God shows Moses a tree. He cuts the tree down, which is a symbol or an illustration of the cross of Jesus. Throws it in the midst of the waters and the waters become pure. God identifies himself. The first time he does identify himself to the children of Israel. And he says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now it's saying one of two things. It's saying, I am the Lord that will, will heal thee. Or it's saying, I'm the Lord that did heal thee. Now, here's why that's important. The Passover, which included or was a part of the death of the firstborn, the last of the plagues, God commanded Israel to kill a lamb, one for each household. And to put the the blood on the doorposts and the lintels of, of each house. To show that they were applying the blood that God had commanded as an atonement. But then it also says that God commanded them to eat the flesh for physical strength for their journey. It's probable, most likely, that when Israel ate the lamb that was prepared for the Passover, that their bodies were healed so that then God could bring them forth with silver and gold and not one feeble among them. The reason that we can assume that is because 765 years later, Hezekiah reinstitutes the Passover ritual or Passover feast, which had stopped during uh, a large portion of that time, many hundreds of years. And the Bible says that when they did uh, prepare the Passover and partook the Passover, even though they did some of it wrong, they did it at the wrong time. They did it without the, the priests purifying themselves. But even though they broke some of the minor rules of it, it says God healed the children of Israel. It's talking about healing from sickness and disease. So when God identifies himself in Exodus chapter 15 in verse 26 he says I am the Lord that healeth thee it's a continuous action word which points to the healing power and the healing mercy of God for their future but it also points back to the one that did the work that brought that enabled God to bring them forth without any feeble among them now whichever way that went the children of Israel knew And healing in mass like that, would that not be another indication of the benefits of God being on their side? Chapter 16 of Exodus. I'm going to start in verse 1. And they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after the departing from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Now, folks, notice verse, two, verse 1 again. says that it's been two months. Two and a half months really. Two and a half months since God has delivered Israel from Egypt. Defeated the greatest army on the face of the earth without Israel even having to throw a rock. Shown them his power and provision by healing the waters. And less than three months later. Israel's complaining at Moses and Aaron. Now, folks, what that means is they have put themselves in a position of taking sides against the one who is showing himself to them day after day after day in the cloud and the fire. Remember what it said it said that the pillar of fire and cloud did not remove from Israel. That means it's always visible. So they get up in the morning walk outside depending on what time of day it is they see the, cl- the fire if it's still early morning they see the cloud if it's later in the day and they said to themselves we need to get rid of this Moses character now he's the one that did the plagues or that God did the plagues through he's the one that parted the Red Sea he's the one that did what nobody else could do but he has got to go And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. What is wrong with these people? Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth unto this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We need to go back to the good old days when we were slaves. There's no two ways about it. Moses did us wrong by bringing us away from those full flesh pots in Egypt. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At evening, then you shall know that the Lord has brought you out from the land of Egypt. Really? They haven't figured that out yet? They don't have enough visible proof through the plagues, through the destruction of Pharaoh's army, and through the pillar of fire and cloud that they're seeing every day, all day long. They need something more. Verse 7, And in the morning, then you shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord, And, and what are we that you murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and the morning bread to the full for that the Lord heareth your murmurings which you murmur against him and what are we your murmurings are not against us but against the Lord and Moses spake unto Aaron saying to all the congregation of the children of Israel come near before the Lord for he has heard your murmurings by the way folks hearing doesn't mean like God hearing them doesn't mean he likes what he heard but he did hear him. And it came to pass as Aaron spoke unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness and behold the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Now I'm not sure what that means exactly. The Bible talks about the glory of the Lord being like a shining cloud, glistening cloud. Maybe the intensity of the light changed in some way or another, I don't know. But something happened that was a little different. The glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel speak unto them, saying, At evening you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. This was when manna began to appear unto Israel. And folks, manna takes place every day except the seventh day they were instructed to gather one day's worth if they got more than what they could use in one day then the the Bible says it turned into worms and this manna was not just in one specific location but the manna continued as the children of Israel moved so it's not like there was manna territory that they moved away from it went with them because it was the blessing of God for them Same thing's true where the quail are concerned. God caused a wind to come that brought the quail to them in such abundance that they ate so much quail they started saying, we're sick of this quail. (laughs) I don't want to spend too much of our time on just one thing. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 40. This is the story of when God gave Moses instructions on how to build or have built the tabernacle in the wilderness. Verse 34, when they get it erected, it says, Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the the tabernacle. So now the glory of the Lord has moved from just some stationary location to stand above the tabernacle of the wilderness. And the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle. When the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys, But if the cloud was not taken up, then they journeyed not until the day that it was taken up. In other words, Israel moves when the cloud moves. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Folks, I want you to get this. They're seeing it day after day after day after day. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 9. Here's another commentary on God creating the tabernacle in the wilderness. Beginning in verse, 9, uh, verse 15. And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle. Namely, the tent of the testimony. And at evening there was upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning. So was it Always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then after that the children of Israel journeyed and in the place where the cloud abode, there the children of Israel pinched their tents. Now this is Numbers chapter 9. Numbers chapter 10. It tells us again of all the things that Israel was doing in the wilderness on the way to the promised land. Look at verse 11. And it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month, in the second year that the cloud was taken up from off the tabernacle of the testimony, and the children of Israel took their journeys out into the wilderness of Sinai, and the cloud rested in the wilderness of Paran. Now this is right on the edge of the promised land. So God is leading them by the pillar of fire. He has been leading them by the pillar of fire in the cloud from the time that he brought them forth out of Egypt. Now he's led them all the way to the edge of the promised land. I've told you before that uh, uh, most Bible scholars and historians and so forth identify about two, two to and a half years between the time that Israel comes out of Egypt and when they get to the pro- edge of the promised land. There are things that have happened prior to this that we skipped over, namely when they stopped at Mount Sinai Moses brought down the Ten Commandments, the tables of stone. You remember that was not all a happy outcome because the children of Israel, after seeing Moses go up into the mountaintop and seeing the the lightnings and hearing the thunders and the earthquakes and all the other kind of stuff that was taking place on the mountain, from which they were strictly commanded not to touch the mountain, not to even let animals touch any part of the mountain. They're seeing God's manifested presence. They saw Moses up there for 40 days. And it was such a horrible sight, apparently, that the children of Israel down below said nobody could live through that. But God's presence, awesome as it is, is not a destructive presence. Certainly not to Israel or to Moses. So now here they are at the wilderness of Paran. Now turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, verse 1, saying, "'Send now men that they may search the land of Canaan, "'which I give unto the children of Israel, "'of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, "'every one a ruler among them.'" <laughs> so God instructs Moses to take the 12 spies, one man from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, Send them into the promised land to spy out the land. Skip down with me to verse 25, I believe it is. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us. And surely it flows with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said... Wait a minute, my finger moved and I lost my screen. That never happened when I used the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we." And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof and all the people that we saw entered are men of great stature and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak which come of the giants and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers and so we were in their sight. Now folks remember Paul said that the word did not profit Israel not being mixed with faith. The ten, the ten spies come back to the wilderness of Paran. Where Israel is encamped. Around the tent of the tabernacle. Where the pillar of fire or the pillar of cloud. Whatever time of day it was depending on that. Where the pillar of God's presence. Was sitting over tabernacle in the wilderness and these guys come back I want you to get this these guys come back and in the presence of the God who has manifested himself in a pillar of fire or cloud for two and a half or so years from the time that they left Egypt they're standing there And in the presence of this cloud of God, whether they were close to it or far away, it doesn't matter. They were still within sight of it. Saying, we can't take this land. Caleb and Joshua, on the other hand, seeing the same circumstances, said the walls were big around the city, but they don't have that. Pointing to the pillar of fire or cloud. See, the... the, Punishment upon Israel was very severe. And the reason that it was so severe, and it was severe, uh, most severe on the ten spies that said they couldn't take the land. They died in, a, in an instant. God just took the life from them and they were gone. Now folks, I've got to tell you. That reminds me of the story in Acts chapter 5 of Ananias and Sapphira. You remember when they lied to the Holy Ghost about their offering? And they died. He died first. She died a couple of hours later when she came in. If lying to the Holy Ghost or not mixing faith with God's Word was an instant death situation, churches would have to be attached to funeral homes. I'm just telling you the truth if that's the way if that's the principle of God that always worked that way church attendance might go down why so severe a judgment well in this case particularly in this case They are ignoring the most spectacular thing that you could possibly witness that shows God is not only for them, but He's with them. They completely ignore, they have to completely ignore the miraculous nature of the cloud and the fire that abides on top of the tabernacle of the wilderness. Now I want to keep reading. Go with me to chapter 14. Because I don't want you to think that this is just something that nobody else is witnessing or or taking part of for themselves. Verse 1, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. This is because they joined in with the majority report, the evil report. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died?